0: Get ready to add your support during our annual Radiothon and be part of Community Powered Radio. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June
1: 2021. To donate, call 03-9419-8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au
2: 3CR Radiothon, Community Powered Radio. I'm Nikki Stott and you're listening to Earth Matters, produced and broadcast at 3CR Community Radio on Wurundjeri and Bunurong Country. And yes, Radiothon is almost here. It's the time of the year when we ask our listeners to chip in and to help to keep us on air for another year. And don't forget, every dollar helps. So please pledge and donate whatever you can to support us here at Earth Matters by calling the station on 039 419 8377. Or you can check out our online CrowdRaiser page and the link to that will be on our podcast page for this week. So if you go to 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters, you'll find the link to donate to the online fundraiser on the podcast page but for now folks on with the show and this week on earth matters we've got guest presenters kaylin thompson and terry dry from 3cr's brainwaves program and they're bringing us a fascinating interview with eco-psychologist Deb Punton. And I also just want to give listeners a content warning that this interview contains a discussion about suicide. And so if you or someone you know needs help, you can call Lifeline on one
0: My name is Kaylin, and today from the Brainwaves team, we have Terry, who will be interviewing our guest today, Deb Putin. Deb is an eco-psychologist, eco-art therapist, facilitator, environmental educator and permaculture landscape designer. She currently works at the Port Phillip Eco Centre within her Greensong business where she practices various methods of connecting with nature to create healthier relationships within self, community and environment.
1: Welcome to Brainwaves, Deb. Can you tell us a bit about yourself?
0: Thank you, Terry. I
3: come from a nursing background, mainly mental health, many, many years ago, and then horticulture, landscape design, and environment education. And they didn't seem to connect until I began studies in ecopsychology in 2012. Can you tell us what ecopsychology is? Ecopsychology studies the interconnected relationships between human beings and our natural world with the aim to create greater well-being. And the word eco-psychology comes from the Greek eco, ekos as in house or dwelling, psychology being interpreted as the health of the soul or the spirit. Eco-psychology is not conventional psychology. Eco-psychology was founded by Theodore Roszak in the 1990s. He wrote a book called The Voice of the Earth, and in that he goes into much more detail about the belief that human beings and are nature and not separate from our natural world and that our goal is to bridge the culture's long-standing gulf between psychological and ecological so that we can see that the needs of the planet are actually our needs as well and that we can't survive without our environment, without our community and those relationships.
1: Absolutely. Does he have strong Indigenous connections? Is
3: that where that philosophy developed from? I think a lot of eco-psychology does look at Indigenous cultures and practices and ways of living that were much more sustainable to self, community and our environment and then looking at how our cultures changed and shifted we can lose our rituals and our practices mm-hmm. that were more sustainable that did connect us in on that innate level to our planet and our, you know, local environments. And then, you know, we keep perpetuating that until we really address that we, we keep unconsciously doing damage.
1: Can you tell us about the Port Phillip echo center and your green song business?
3: Yeah, I work at Port Phillip Eco Centre. We yeah. have a lot of school excursions. We go into yes. a lot of schools and do a lot of work. So we're actually out in the environment a lot of the time, working with volunteers, with researchers, with universities. My role environment education, and I especially love community garden on a Friday with volunteers and mm. and revegetation projects with volunteers it's that's that's
1: Fantastic. where yeah, lie. Yeah. I keep putting my hand up for the skill thing that runs on a Sunday maybe once a month you know rejuvenating equipment I, I do I'm most impressed with the Port Phillip what I know of the Port Phillip Eco Center I did do a walk led maybe by volunteers and they took us along the foreshore there down around St Kilda and talked about how the industrial age has only been this tiny segment of the world's history and what has happened during that industrial age. I just found it such a fabulous um, analogy by using distance, walking distance, uh, to get you to understand that.
3: Um, they are called Deep Time Walks, yes. and the Eco Centre has a volunteer who's running those again now. And what it does is it helps you put into perspective, which then draw you know, if we have that kind of big perspective, we can see that we are one small component of yeah. everything that is and everything that was and everything that will be, and yeah. that we only have a small role to play. It's not such a huge, daunting task that we are here on this planet now. Mm. My Greensong business is really yep. just fills in those little bits that I don't get to fulfill within my eco center work, yep. and that's more of the work one on one with people and going a little bit deeper into our connections with nature. And um, and then from that, we you know a lot of people feel inspired to take more pro environmental action, and then I can lead them into you know work at the eco center as well. We do take um, groups out into the botanical gardens and use yes. the botanical gardens grounds and down to the beach. So yeah. we are very lucky that we've got such a beautiful environment all around us.
1: Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about ways in which ecopsychology can help people with mental health challenges?
3: Yeah, so even if we would just think of ecopsychology basically as being nature therapies. We know that there's health benefits from connecting with nature in in so many different ways. There's a lot of research being done for many, many years in this sphere. Being in nature, simply just going into nature releases endorphins, dopamine and other hormones that produce good feelings. So we feel rewarded just by being there. There's strong evidence of significant positive associations with green spaces and people's health and well-being is a much higher standard if they live close to those access to green spaces or or blue water. They've got research that indicates really positive physical and mental health benefits and reduces depression and anxiety, symptoms of stress, mood disturbance, even sleep disturbances, obesity, and people feel that their quality of life is improved if they have access to these spaces. So eco-psychology and my practice, which it depends on who you are doing this practice and how you relate it. So we take people into these spaces, but then go into a deeper level so that we can sense something a bit on that far greater side of understanding a perspective of who we are and where we are in the world.
1: Do you think there are specific mental health conditions where ecopsychology may be more beneficial than other therapies?
3: Being an eco-psychologist, I think it could complement any other therapy and i always say to people do not stop taking any medication or any therapy that you're actually doing this is a a supplement so some eco-psychologists work in animal assisted therapies post-traumatic stress um and climate anxiety is one area where i'm specifically um working in and i think there's a there's a lot missing in our society as far as supporting people there Mm -hmm it's supposed to be very good for children with learning difficulties and ADHD really the the methodology and the practices can be incorporated on a you know on a on many levels with different people at any different time and it really depends on the individual or the group intention or the aim of what they want to challenge and then we explore the possibilities together
1: i was a outpatient so involved in day programs at the melbourne clinic and you know we would have maybe eight to ten people in a room without any windows all day long
3: we know even if we've got an image of nature on the wall in a hospital setting it will help people improve um yes it helps lessen pain um, incre- it, it decreases the amount of time that they're actually spending in hospital if they have access to nature, even a na- even nature pictures. I think many, many hospitals around the world, different types of hospitals, ha- are acknowledging the role that nature plays and often they're putting a horticultural therapy component to their hospitals or a healing garden, mm. reflection garden, those kind of garden designs attached to their garden or on a balcony or in the roof. There's a new hospital built in Bendigo and that has a little, um, just a little tiny bit where you could go and just reflect or sit and be yeah. with nature. It's mm-hmm. very, very important. It doesn't even need to be very big. Can you give us some examples
1: of eco-psychology as a therapy?
3: Yeah, it can be um, some of those therapies that we just spoke about, those side of things that could be incorporated in a hospital like we talked about. The activities I enjoy doing with people is, taking people on a, what I call a guided walk where we will go, we'll follow a, a little procedure to help us connect to the place. So it's, a, it's kind of like a walking and th- talking practice. We will sometimes lie down on a blanket and just lie there staring at the sky, either in silence or talking for a while. A lot of it will focus around tuning into our senses Yes. Being really, really mindful of our senses and then also being mindful when our brain is starting some sort of activity, whether it's thinking, reasoning, judging, worrying, and then pulling ourselves back to those senses again and exploring them. And really do like to explore with fun and play and, and you know, movement. Mm. Sometimes there might be a horticultural activity or gardening involved in it. Mm. Um and I do specifically love eco art therapy as a creative expression component to the the practices because eco art therapy combines the experience that we're having with a creative aspect. That can be really helpful for us to process feelings, thoughts, or experiences even from our past without having to verbalize them, or sometimes we can't articulate them or we don't know how to articulate them. And by doing something very creative, it might even be, you know, creating a nature mandala with what's around us. That then just can help us process and make sense and meaning in a a more fluid kind of way. Yeah. I think we always need to be constantly um, checking back and evaluating what we've done and was it beneficial to everyone in the group or if it wasn't for someone, even one person, why wasn't it beneficial to them? And what could have we done to support them in having a better experience?
2: You're listening to Earth Matters on the community. Radio network is eco psychology a fairly
3: recent therapy Yes it is and I think probably it can be found under many different guises and different words, but it is a term that, that Theodore rozak founded in the 1990s It's
1: very recent very yes,
3: recent. so very recent yeah. there is very little in Australia as in specifically called this, although there are different types of nature therapies existing across different planes in our society, such as forest therapy, rewilding. Basically, our side of it is to look at doing the research as to why people are disconnected and then looking at how can we reconnect them. I will say that eco-psychology is nothing like contemporary psychology or a traditional psychology. It is not psychology at all and we don't diagnose people or treat them, you know, or assess them for what's wrong with them, as in wrong, you know, what we're saying is something is wrong in our systems that doesn't support this person in being the best they can be. How can we offer a method or a an experience that might guide them to having their own experience and deeper insight? Mm. I just want to
1: throw in the... For me, extraordinarily painful statistic that I think we lose eight people a day to suicide in Australia and that there are higher numbers in regional and country areas. Just making that comment because those people may have more access
3: to nature. Yes, Terry, I've thought a lot about this because... That, that is um, one of the things we hear is if you're in nature, that will do all that work for you. But the fact is a lot of farmers are suffering because yeah. of all the consequences, like even more and more because of the consequences of climate change and sure. all the natural disasters yes. and all of what's going on. Yes. But um, also I think there's so many elements to this. And I think we, we, we don't just look at nature, but we also look at community and how we know isolation is a really huge issue We know that culturally people don't want to talk a lot about how they're feeling if they're not feeling like they're in a great mood. If they're not feeling, um, you have to be feeling quite courageous to go and talk to a friend about how you're feeling if you're going through a tough time. And understanding that this is part of every human being's life is to transition through times where we might be challenging ourselves with our feelings, emotions, thoughts and that we need to do that in community with each other. So I think that's probably one of the things that's really lacking in more regional areas is that ability to do that. Plus, we simply do not have enough resources, enough psychologists working in areas that can take patients, you know, let alone people not feeling that they're comfortable to go and talk to someone. So it's almost like we need to really come down a layer and, have other kinds of social inclusion programs that don't fit the, the psychology kind of traditional go and see a therapist, because these people are generations of tough old farmers a lot of the time, you know, they're strong, they're resilient, but, you know, knock after knock after knock, mm. we all, you know, need help, we need support. How
1: does environmentalism and sustainability play a part in
3: eco-psychological therapy? I love this question. I think what this really relates back to is that we are not separate from our natural world. And, you know, we've been growing up in a culture that is basically forcing us to see ourselves as separate, as competitive It allows that exploitive growth model to continue in our society. But every time that's happening, we're losing certain people. We're leaving people behind. Mm -hmm. And if we can connect back to our innate self, this is in our DNA. We feel it inside us, these connections. And we actually sometimes feel discomfort and longing if we can't have that place fulfilled. So once we reconnect ourselves back, understand we're not separate and that we rely on our natural systems that our planet provides for our very existence, even on the basic level is we need healthy food, nutritious food. We need clean water. We need fresh air. If we even tune down to those, those really basic needs, that's a start. And then we can go deeper, deeper, deeper about all the things that nature gives us. And once we we really get to that place, we feel, so appreciative that we feel it's a great burning desire inside us and it's a great pleasure to be able to reciprocate by gifting nature our time, our effort and our energies to participate in actions that create more life and support life, protect life. And our, our planet can continue in a, on a very beautiful trajectory if we all could feel that way. When we look at
1: different Indigenous Cultures from around the world, they often have a deep connection with their environment, particularly, say, Indigenous populations in Australia have that. As an eco psychologist, how do you think it may impact on those cultures when their connection to land is no longer there, is severed? Mm. Mm.
3: I think uh, you know, this really, um, it really saddens me when I see what's happening around the world, especially because of local Indigenous people are losing land because of climate change, the rising sea levels. They are losing their cultural land. They're losing the places where they had burial grounds, where they grow their food, their very life supports. It must feel like part of your body is being ripped away from you. I'm only presuming because I'm not Indigenous. My roots have been severed a long time ago, many generations ago, and a lot of those cultural practices of being connected to country, to our land, to our waters has been severed. So I'm trying to re-establish that within myself. I can only imagine what it's like. I feel such awe and amazement and appreciation for those people that have been able to keep their connection to culture. And country. I feel I have so much more to learn from them. How can we incorporate
1: eco-psychological approaches into our everyday lives?
3: We can do it on a very simple level. You know, look at ourselves as needing restorative little breaks, little retreats in our day. We focus, we pause. It can be indoors, but especially it's going to be better outdoors for us Think about the habits and rituals that we have that maintain, you know, our self-care rituals and habits that maintain us feeling grounded and calm so that we can respond to what's going on around us rather than react. Something that is leading us towards greater well-being and making notes of what they are that really do fulfil us. And they might be so simple. I've got a little toolbox of um, self-care cards that I keep In case I'm feeling really muddled in the head and so confused, I can't think, what can I do to calm myself down? I'll grab it and I'll look at one and I'll try it. If that doesn't work, I'll try another. And one of them will work. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think those sorts of things are important to us um, because when we're in a bit of a stress state, our reasoning doesn't function quite so well. So things that we can do is just simply slow down. Slow everything down that we're doing and say, do I have to be doing that? Can I just put that aside for now and I'll come back to it later? Slowing ourselves down. In the city especially, we're rush, rush, rushing. We're always busy. We could practice gardening, anything getting our hands into the soil because this is going to stimulate our immune system as well. It also is said to um, have some very positive effects on our mental health and well-being yes. by having our hands in the soil if we can practice uh, mindfulness in any, any form or other and appreciation, gratitude practice. It can be just stopping, getting our breakfast and then suddenly just stopping, really being conscious of the moment. What are we about to eat? Where would have that come from? Even thinking of all the relationships that are formed and the connections that lead from this being right here on my plate to where did it come from? Who would have been involved in this process? And understanding then that greater perspective, that more, you know, the deeper time perspective of simple things such as food or water, giving gratitude for the food and the water. You know, we used to say a lot of prayers and grace before we would eat um, as part of a lot of our traditions and rituals. But if we were even to say this is non-religious, that we were just we just give a moment of thanks for Mm -hmm. what we're about to eat Thank you to the, you know, if the plant or the animal that has died for us to sustain us. Simple things, very, very simple. They say about two hours a week, you know, over different times is, is a good amount for us to, to help our well being. But mm-hmm. just think about having as many moments as you possibly can of awareness, not where we're walking out and we're on our phone or talking or having a meeting. It, it yep. can be really useful to do that in nature but really bringing ourselves back to what are we sensing while we're in this space? What do I love? Something that attracts my eye. Why do I love it? And start to develop a relationship where you might say my bamboo called me to it. It wants me there. Not that I, you know, to look that there is a relationship. We don't know. There's not, we don't know that bamboo isn't calling me and saying, Hey, pay attention to me. Can you see my leaves are a bit droopy? I need some water. You know, we don't know that that doesn't actually occur. And I actually believe it does. (laughs) So but when we're thinking of deep listening, it's more like we are listening with our whole body. We're really deeply sensing and tuning in. Mm -hmm. And the studies that I did in eco-psychology, my teacher talks about 54 different senses that we can acknowledge and pull them into play and... The more senses we have, the more connections we feel and the deeper our experience with nature can be. And then we feel those well-being benefits even on a deeper level. Plus we get that beautiful deep time perspective. Probably another thing to point out there is to really take notice of that brain activity going on, which might be cultural. It might be based on a past experience, all kinds of things, worrying about something that is projected way into the future. But when we're out in nature, if we can bring ourselves back from the, the, the thinking, reasoning, mind, and bring about ourselves back to those senses, that's where we're going to have the the more um, calm response and, and mm-hmm. be
0: able to come from a different
3: places. Mm. Wonderful.
0: So thanks, Deb, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insight with our listeners. And a big thank you to Terry for organising and interviewing today. I hope that everyone enjoyed today's show. And uh, you can find more of our shows at the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au or on Spotify or wherever you happen to download your 3CR podcast. And if you'd like to share with us a story or feedback or any suggestions for future shows, we'd love to hear from you. So please email us at brainwaves at Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Stay safe.
2: You've been listening to Earth Matters on the Community Radio Network. And today on the show, we heard from ecopsychologist Deb Punton with guest presenters Kaylin Thompson and Terry Dry from 3CR's Brainwaves program. And you can find other episodes on that program if you go to 3cr.org.au forward slash brainwaves. And Brainwaves is brought to you by Wellways Australia at wellways.org. And also don't forget in regards to the discussion about suicide on today's show that if you or someone you know needs help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11
3: 14
2: you can also find today's podcast and links at 3cr.org.au forward slash earthmatters. And if you're already listening via a podcasting service, we'd love you to subscribe. And why not rate us and give us a review to help spread the word? Earth Matters would like to thank the Community Broadcasting Foundation for their generous support and the Community Radio Network for all their hard work in getting this show out to you. Earth Matters is produced at 3CR Community Radio in Fitzroy, Nam. And we can be contacted at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com. And, of course, you can always find us on your socials. So that's all for today, but don't forget to tune in next week for more environmental and social justice stories. And we're going to go out with Lillian and Allen and the track's called Mother Earth. This here Mother Earth is for
1: everyone this your mother earth belong to all of we mother earth is we land. mother earth is we only one if we love this earth her lander life proceeds, we will treat her well and live accordingly if we seek her beauty and see her varied ways and walk beside her in praise, in praise.
0: Genocide here is a lot more sneaky than it is in Rwanda or other places around the world. It's one thing fellows learnt in the last 200 years to be very sneaky about their genocide. You look at the 38 nations that were here before white settlement, and then you count up the numbers that are still surviving, still out there doing their business on their country. Well, there's only 25 left. So what happened to the other 13?
3: Let's talk about the Black GST. Genocide to be stopped, sovereignty acknowledged, and treaties made. Tune in no to Fire day. First no every day Wednesday
2: day. from 11am till 12 Festival, midday on 3CR with Robbie Thorpe.
0: You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.